0: This Torah class is brought to you by torahanytime.com. You gave me the job to be the closer on the whole phone situation here. So I'm going to try to close it as best as I can. And I hear that you guys learned the whole, uh, the whole Sunday Super Bowl. This yeshiva is amazing, amazing. I, I, I feel like everyone knows that New England's going to win. That's probably why you're not watching it, whatever it is. <laughs> but I hate that guy. I hate that guy. But you know what? I have to tell you something that for the sports fans over here, I had a husband. The husband didn't work because you always have a husband, But Lehovdol, um, and it shouldn't be Chesvashal Matayna and Klai Yisrael. So um, anyone here from Minnesota? Have any boys from Minnesota? Nobody smart. Okay, anyway, so it's really cold there. Um, so when Minnesota won, and you probably don't know anything I'm talking about because you guys are sitting and learning, but there was like 10 seconds left in the game, and they were losing, and this guy threw the ball, and this uh, black guy caught it, and um, he went up really high to catch it, and then the two defenders banged into each other, and you saw your mom, if this Yana Shaman football, um, and he scored a touchdown, and he didn't know what hit him. Because they had lost the game right They were sure that they lost. And he's in the end zone. And the reporter, this woman reporter, runs up to him and says, there was an amazing catch. I mean, I mean, what do you have to say? He says, it was God, man. It was God. I don't even know what I did. God did it. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm watching this clip. One of my boys in my, my Chaburah showed us. He says... Rebbe, listen to this guy. And the guy goes, and she's trying to get like football stuff out of him, and he keeps going, It's God, man. It's all God. And then he says, You know, sometimes God gives you a chance. And you just got to take that chance and run with it. I'm listening to a mustache move from a football player. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Chas v'sham, it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a Kitrig on Chla that a. A guy, a football player, and no matter how, any question they asked him, like, how would you beat the defender? He said, no, no, I did nothing. I did nothing. And I guess it was a very religious, very religious person. And I said, "Show me a kit on Klai Israel, because I like, was the last time that a guy hit a three with two seconds left on the court. You win the game, and you're like, God did it. It wasn't me, Right. How many times do we do that and we play football that we say God did it? So, what I, what I thought about it was that all the kids, all the kids that were, Jewish kids that were watching football, was a message that Hashem was giving to them through him. Many times through Goyim, Goyim says something, and it's not about them, it's really a message to us. So, I had figured that after this guy made that catch, because you, know, you always think you can figure out how Hashem works, there's no question. That after such a kiddish Hashem, right, Minnesota is going to win the next game. They're going to go to the Super Bowl. Imagine at the end of the Super Bowl, the Sheer, this guy's going to give, right? <laughs> that they won the Super Bowl and they beat the England. I forgot about it, right? No, it was, a, it was a message to the kids that were watching that game. And Hashem only had to give, send that message through this person. Many times that's the way that he sends a shliach. And it had nothing to do with them winning and going further, going anywhere. With was a message to us to realize that everything that happens that even a football player not a guy who's sitting in yeshiva but a football player right can stand there for five minutes and talk about that's all from Hashem so all of us have to realize that everything that happens is yah Hashem just to, to jump on that for a second so two weeks ago a, um, someone that I know very well his name is William Abud he's a Persian from Great Neck any Persians from Great Neck here? I had a feeling nobody would raise their hand. Okay. Anyway, so William Abbott and me, we, we became very close because he owned a company called FXCM. FXCM was the biggest platform on Wall Street for trading funds. In other words, if you wanted to go on your computer and you wanted to buy the English pound, right, the mark, the Russian ruble, you wanted to buy, you wanted to trade. You could do it by going online. There was a platform called FXCM, and they were making hundreds of millions of dollars. It was an amazing, amazing place. How did I find out about the place? They were giving a lot of charity, and I went up there to see if I could get some money from my high school for my girls, and I met this guy, Eddie, who wasn't religious. um, He was from Queens, a Baharian, and I sat down with him. And I was very fascinated because on this floor, there were at least a thousand traders. It was like a whole building. And, and all these computers when buying is green and selling is red. And everything's flashing. And there's hundreds of billions of dollars trading on this floor from all over the world. It was like mind-boggling. And then you have a whole set of like 500 people that are doing the funds. It, it, was, it was something. So I sat down with Eddie. And he was the, he's like the computer brain. And he was telling me not from... Um, and he was telling me his story and he told me that that he had come from he had escaped actually um, from Bukhari or whatever it is and he came without anything with his mother just him and his mother and he was a taxi driver young 20 year old taxi driver and he was hooked up with a one of these guys who was trading funds at that time much smaller because at that time wasn't computerized that much and he used to take this man home Every single day, and he would pick him up every single day from this huge mansion in Saddle River, right? This, and, he, and, he, and he didn't even speak English really, Eddie. And he would listen to this man on the phone talking about what he does, and he found it very interesting. And after months and months, when he started to learn a little English, he asked him to explain to him what he's listening to. And this went on for like a year and a half. Taxi driver, that's all he was. Like one of those limousine X Y Z taxis, and he's learning the business from the guy in the back of the in the back seat, and they become very friendly. Whatever it is, anyway, he's a very smart guy, and Hashem put together these three other partners that were that were from one was uh, one was from Great Neck, and one was from Muncie, and this William Aboud, and these guys were making hundreds of millions of dollars. And they were giving tzedakah, building buildings, they were doing stuff. They gave tzedakah to everybody, to the Persians, to the Baha'i community, to everybody. FXCM, very famous place to go to raise money. So, one morning, about a year and a half ago, the monetary rules in England and Europe because of that whole, that whole Brexit, that whole business, whatever it was, because that happened, when Brexit happened, so the everyone who owned English money wanted to get out of that market because they felt that since they separated from the Euro, that it's gonna go down. So at one in one morning, the whole world was selling the English sterling. FXCM couldn't didn't have the money backing them because this was something that nobody expected. Didn't have the money backing them to give the people who were selling? So as you're selling, the market's going down. To make a long story short, they stopped the trading in FXCM with on the on the market, and they went bankrupt in ten minutes. They lost everything. The whole platform collapsed because they couldn't back. There was like a, a run on the bank, so there was a run on their company. Stock went from wherever it was to zero. They closed it down because they, they weren't backed up anymore. You have to have a certain amount of money behind you. Closed, finished, and they almost all went to jail. Because they didn't have the money to... Whatever happened. Finished! No one's there. There's no traders. It's illegal to trade with FXCM in America. Done. Finished. In one moment. So... That happened about a year and a half ago. You can go online. FX, no, you can't go online. But you could ask someone in New York maybe to go for you and look up FXCM. Finish. Have a nice day. So, William Abouj, this most amazing man who's about Shuva, who left Persia, went through the border, snuck out, came to America with nothing. The clothes on his back, and that's it. Became a multi millionaire. Became about Shuva, very, very firm man. I said to him, because I like to understand people, I said, how do you deal with God? I mean, you gave so much tzedakah. You guys helped so many people. You were a legal business. You weren't doing anything illegal. And in one moment, Hashem wiped you out. I need to know, how do you deal with God after such a situation? because I need to understand so I could tell other people when something so tragic happens, in one moment, you have to understand, he woke up in the morning, his phone was ringing, and they said, you need to come down to the office. They're closing us down. The SEC is closing us down. He said, what What are you talking about last night? From one moment, from one night to one morning. So this is what he tells me. He says that many years ago, when he first learned about trading funds, he was working in a very, very small company um, where they had one table and 30 traders around the table. And the guy next to him was a guy on his right-hand side. And for five years, the two of them worked together, all the traders. So he had the ruble, he needed the ruble. They were all trading, this, but it was a small but office this size, the room, this size of the room, and it was a small company. And then one day, the guy on his right got a call from a huge company on Wall Street who said, we heard you guys trade funds. We heard you're the man. We want you to hire as many people as you need. And we want to become the biggest company in the world when it comes to trading funds. We want you to put the team together. The guy on his right was a very close friend of his for five years. So William figured... Right. This is way before FXCM. William figured he's his buddy. He's going to hire him. And the company said, whatever they want to be paid, you pay them. We want to be we want to knock out everybody. We want to be the company that that trades money. So he's sure he was making whatever he was making at that time. He's going to get triple four t- four the amount of money. And the guy next to him hires a lady across. Another guy across, another guy. Out of the 30 traders, this guy on his right hired 15 of them to put together his team, and he left William out. And these two were the best of friends. And William felt that, okay, I'm going to be the last guy. He's going to hire me, and I'm going to be the closer, and I'm going to get all the money. And they get a message. The team is finished. The team is closed. They don't need anyone else. He said, "Rabbi Wallstein, I was about tshuva. This was my chance. I was just making a salary at that time. This was my chance to make it huge. And this guy, who was my best friend, I'm on his. I was on, actually on his left hand. I was on his left hand. He was to my right. Hashem, how could you do this to me? I want to give tzedakah. I want to do the right thing. And the guy hired everyone else." He said, "For six months, I didn't doubt him. So for six months, I was like, I can't, I, 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 I just, I couldn't connect the dots. He said, I could not connect the dots. A year and a half later, after this team was put together, the first plane hit the World Trade Center on the 98th floor. On the 98th floor was a company called Fitzgerald. That day, they lost 750 people. They were the biggest resident of the World Trade Center. The trading floor that they created for the trading of funds was the 98th floor. Every single person, all 15, they were all his friends, he said, because we would sat there every day together from the beginning to the end of the trading. Every single one of them died at impact. Had he chosen me I would have died with them. My Wallstein, my children and my family happened after 9-11. I would have had no children. I would have had no family. There would have been nothing left of me. So now you want to ask me a question on how do I deal with God when I wake up in the morning and my company is gone? He said, I don't need to deal Every day since 9-11 Is a day that I shouldn't be here So if I have FXCM Or I don't have FXCM The day is a present I don't have a problem With God At all A person needs to know that No matter what happens in your life This is just one story Where you get to see the ending Now he's in real estate, he's struggling, he's trying, whatever it is Doesn't matter It doesn't matter He said, every single person has a 9-11 every single night when you go to sleep. Who says you're going to wake up? Who says you're going to live through the day? Every single day, there are people that are dying, there are people that are sick, there are people that are in the hospital, and you're not, and you're in yeshiva, and you're sitting and learning. Every single day is a 9-11. That you were not in the building when the plane crashed into the building. He says, and that's how a person has to live their life. Why am I telling you this story? Because the discussion that we're having today is technology. Rosh Hashiva is willing to pay money to sell your phones, to pay $500. That you should step out of a world, a man-made world that is designed by the satan to suck away the most important thing that we have, and I'm not. I'm not talking today about Yiddishkeit. Yeah, I could get up and talk about porn. And I could talk about talking to girls. And I could talk about, that's not my subject today. I don't need to tell you that. Every guy in this room knows what's on the Internet. I don't need to tell you that. You don't need Rob to tell you that. But what it's really doing is it's taking away boys, the most precious thing that you have. And because you're young, and Hashem should give you long lives, because you're lo- young, you don't look at the consequence. You look at, I'm very young. I'm not going to die. Nothing's going to happen to me. I got 70, 80 years, at least 70, 80 years ahead of me, for sure. So the consequence is not in front of me. Oh, I'll change it later on. We don't know. We don't know what we have. We don't know what the next day brings. Every day is a celebration of time. That of course, will gives us time that you can sit here and learn. The Internet and the phones is here to suck away your time. Every kid that I ever got to go off their iPhones, they go to a regular phone. They didn't tell me they became fruma. They didn't say, since I did that, I became so much more religious. He said, Red Wallstein, you saved my life. I'm like, what did I do? He says, I'm living. I'm not stuck to a piece of metal. It has, guys, at the end of the day, it has no life. It has no life. It doesn't love you. It doesn't care about you. It will not help you. It's a piece of metal. That's all it is, and it's a waste of time. WhatsApp, 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 WhatsApp. What you did, what you did. You went to the bathroom. You didn't go to the bathroom. She went to the bathroom. This went to that. You're, you're combing your hair. You're brushing your hair. You're taking a shower. Well, who, what? Who cares? A picture of this. Selfies. The most stupid thing that a human being can do. Take a picture of themselves. You go to the zoo, and the animals are like, what are they doing? <laughs> They're all walking around taking pictures of themselves. What is, what is wrong with them? Look in the mirror in the morning. You know what you look like, and have a good day whole day long. Then they have those sticks that stretch out that you can take a picture of yourself. It's crazy. I was by the coast of yesterday. Crazy. Girls and guys are taking pictures of themselves. Maybe of each other. I don't know what they were doing, but <laughs> taking pictures of themselves, taking pictures of themselves. Take a picture of yourself. for You're so full of yourself. Can you believe that Rabbi Wallerstein grew up, never had a picture of himself, My mitzvah picture and a wedding picture, who who had a picture? A million pictures, making faces. We're moshuga. We're out of our minds. You know, making faces and fingers and hands. What what what? What is that? My, you know, you know, Rabbi Gamliel very well, right? So people always ask him, Rabbi Gamaliel, can I take a picture of you? He goes, I'm not worried about your picture. I'm worried about their picture. So in Shemayim, they're taking a picture of you, taking a picture of yourself. The angels must be laughing their wings wings off. <laughs> So the the sent wants to give you your life back. That's all he wants to do. He wants to give you your life back, boys. I'm not even talking about the Yiddish card. Yiddish point of view. You can, you you, don't, you want to see something you're not supposed to look at. You go buy a magazine. It's not the phone is not going to stop that. If a person wants to see something they they want to see, that's not what we're talking about. Today. We're talking about life. You have time. You have time. You're not on your phone. You can help a little kid. I spoke. I speak about this all the time. The guys don't. They don't run with it. Help a little kid, do you understand? To give a kid an hour, a guy so that what you went through in your life, you didn't get the attention, you didn't get the help in school, you didn't do well in school, and this guy comes around, this cool center guy, right, ball player or not a ball player, whatever he is, and he and this little seven-year-old boy who's struggling in class, nobody likes him, nobody talks to him, his parents are dysfunctional, and they're always yelling at him, and you show up and you take him out to play ball, and you take him out to eat, and you sit and learn with him for a half an hour, you can save his life. You're going to save his life. You're going to do for him what no one did for you. I'm talking about a half an hour a week. Could you imagine if you do more than a half an hour a week? You're going to save someone's life. Instead of that, what are you doing? You're WhatsApping your pictures of yourself and other things and stupidities. That's what you're doing with your time. And I understand you're very young. So you're like, okay, I have plenty of time. No one knows how much time they have. My father, tonight, is his yard site. When he was diagnosed with with esophageal cancer, I was with him. And he was sitting in the doctor's office and esophageal cancer is a very tough cancer because you can't really do surgery. Can't take someone's esophagus out. So the doctor says to my father, I'm really sorry, we did an endoscopy and we found and they came back that you have cancer. He says, you want me to be blunt and honest? My father's like, that's the way I live my life. He says, Mr. Wallerstein, you have three months. I was sitting next to him. Can you imagine a person's told you have three months to live, right? My father said, Can you guarantee that? He said, What? He said, You can guarantee me right now, sitting here, that I'm gonna live for another three months. He says, us Jews, every second we we don't have nobody can ever guarantee another person. You sure? I'm sitting there like, Dad, he's not gonna understand you. Can, who, who, can, how, who can walk into this room and say, I guarantee you, you're going to live for three months? Nobody. Nobody. It's up to Hashem. We don't know. My father's like, wow, big news. <laughs> three months. You should be in Ghana next to the, next to the shenna. That's who he was. He's like, you can't guarantee me three months. You can't guarantee me three minutes. This guy wasn't a, a Jewish doctor or whatever He looked at my father, he goes, i never met someone like you i said no and you're not you're not about to that's for sure <laughs> 3 months 3 months we could do in 3 months that's what that phone is it's a piece of garbage it really is. I, I, I'm talking to you, from first of all, from experience and just watching. Just go outside. Go to the coastal, Just watch the amount of time that people spend. Forget about the phone at the cost. This person spends on a phone a whole day. All they do is they're looking and they're texting and they're looking and they're texting and they're WhatsApping and they're Instagramming. And then, you know, they figured out Instagram, your parents, it, it disappears. So your parents can't really get to look at what you were doing, right? So they came up with this big, big thing, right? And it's a whole day. And the HR is come up with new stuff, a new Apple. The number 10X. And everyone, all the Meshugam, like a bunch of sheep being let to slaughter, they go to the Apple store, how much more is it? $1,700, whatever it is. Wow, it's all glass. <laughs> wow, it has no border. It's all glass. I'll pay $500 more for all glass. Meshugamah. <laughs> the Apple Meshugamah, they're sitting there in the office somewhere in Apple, and they're like... What a bunch of jerks. (laughs) Every year we come up with something new. It's really the same phone as as the original one, right? Oh, it has face. uh, It can recognize your face. That's great. So you see that? It's such a smart phone. You don't have to take selfies. Your phone knows what you look like. (laughs) That's what it's about. It's about Time. Your rebbe shouldn't give you five hundred dollars. You should give him five hundred dollars. And one day you're going to want to buy back. You are going to want to. You're going to want to give him back the five hundred dollars. I had a story with a boy that was so off the derech, who was not normal, and he was very, very poor. He had no money, and I said to him that if you put on tefillin for four weeks straight, I'll give you a thousand bucks. For him, a thousand bucks was totally like over the top. But I'm telling you right now, that one day when you're from, you're gonna come back to me and you're gonna to wanna to buy back those four weeks of tilling. Do you know what four weeks of tilling is worth? I got a crazy deal. I paid a thousand dollars to get this list of a guy weighing tilling for four weeks. It's worth a trillion? Uh, a, a number that doesn't exist? I said, one day, you're gonna change. You're gonna become from. You're gonna wanna buy back. Mr. Austin, can you give me back those those four weeks of tilling? It's gonna cost you ten grand. <laughs> Told him on the spot. It's gonna cost you ten grand. I'm a businessman. He said, "It ain't gonna happen." It's already three years that he bothers me every single year. I'll give you ten grand. Give me my four weeks back. I'm like, no. <laughs> No, I decided the price went up. I'm not giving it back to you. So what he doesn't know is that I gave it back to him without any money. He's he's one of my boys. He's got three kids. He doesn't miss minyan. He's He's stocked like anything because I fooled him. I knew that tefillin, when you wear tefillin, it has a certain effect on your neshama. It's like, it's like, it's like. The neshama that's so deep in such a bad place, tefillin, mamish breaks a light into the into person's neshama. So I knew if I get him to wear tefillin for four weeks, something's going to happen, and it did. I can't say it always happens, right? I don't know. The puts on a lot of tefillin. I don't know. No, no. Seriously, seriously, I don't know what happens to all the people, but I can tell you that 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 person who put on tefillin once, because I'm the Babach guy, put on tefillin in the airport on him, he's going to come to Shemaim at the end of his life, right? He's going to have one mitzvah tefillin. You have no idea. What's going to be the reward in in in, in the next world? Tillin is 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 ice. It's an ice. It's representative. It's a sign that you're a Jew. So one day you're all going to come back here, and you're going to want to give your Rebbe Rosh Hashiva and Mashkikim the five hundred dollars back. Don't give it back. Take five thousand. You'll see. But it means to live outside that world And living in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's world Hashem created the most magnificent world I'm in the middle of a sefer Which I have never read a sefer like this in my life um, It just came out so, a wrote it, Someone, Rabbi Katz, whatever it is I just got the sefer, I just started it He asks every question that we ask in this day and age It's amazing why Hashem created the world we say, for chesed, a king without, uh, without followers is not a king. But that means that Hashem needs us. And Hashem doesn't need anything. So He doesn't need anything. And He goes into the whole thing. Why did Hashem create the world? And if He created a world, why didn't He create a ruchni, a sticker world? Why a gashmi, a sticker world, where we could fall into such a bad place. And and, and and it's very, very deep. But at the end of the day, he goes through the Brio, the world, and he explains that Akashbohu created the world for the Nishamas, which is really part of him, we are part of a Baruch Hu, right? For the Nishamas that they should be in a place that is so beautiful, and that there's so much hanah, that only it's a different hanah than a spiritual hanah, it's a physical hanah, and that we could live in the uh, uh, and make a bracha on a flower, and make a bracha on a fruit, and have a Shabbos in this world, not only in the other world. He said, his answer was that it came to a point, we we're in Shamayim, the Nishamas, our Nishamas were in Shamayim, but we weren't earning it. He says, a person that works and gets something is on a much higher level, has a much bigger appreciation than a person that doesn't work, that gets it for free. So then there's shamists in Shemayim who on this level wanted to earn their place in Shemayim. That was one of the reasons that Kersh created the world. So he created a crazy world, a not normal world. The sense of smell and the sense of taste and the ability to see and to hear and to feel And the different things that he created in this world, the different flowers, and the different smells, and different tastes, doesn't make any sense. I'm always, in front of my house, I planted (coughs) lemongrass, which is something that you can make a tea out of, and peppermint. And I have it growing in front of my house. And every single day, when I leave my house, I thank Hashem for all five senses. I kiss the mezuzah, I say, thank you, Hashem, I can feel. person. Who, who gets a stroke who can't feel I could feel it's an amazing thing that you can feel because if you close your eyes right you know by your fingers that this is a book and that there's, there's paper and you know hot and cold and you know shape and you know soft and hard it's like the tips of your fingers are computers they're mamish wire to your head this is a cup and there's something shaking in here must be a, a, must be a fluid your fingers are not normal the sense of touch is not normal to feel velvet and the different hardwood and metal, all the different feelings. There's a million feelings in everyone's fingertips. But because Baruch Hu gave us that sense to be able to feel chas shalom. somebody not being able to feel, say, so thank Hashem, I kissed the mezuzah, and right now it's pretty freezing, it's a metal, silver mezuzah, and in the summer it's pretty hot, And I'm like, wow. It got cold. It got hot. I don't even. I don't even need to go outside. I just put my hand out there, and I know the difference. And then I say, "Koshbochhu, thank you." I take a smell. Thank you, thank you, that I could smell. Because if you ate, if you had a stuffed nose, you had a sinus infection, and you try to eat an apple, you will not taste the apple. If you cannot smell, you cannot taste. Tell your that I could smell part of, part of the. What would I say? That when you want to eat something, right? That you smell it first. If you smell, you smell a good coffee. It's like, wow. Rabbi Miller used to talk about the smell of coffee smell of coffee in the morning, right? It gives you this thing to st- If you couldn't smell the coffee, you wouldn't taste the coffee. The sense of smell and something that doesn't smell good, like, like milk, right? Even though the date is good, if you smell the milk and it smells sour, you don't drink it. And if there's something on the floor where you're walking and you smell it, you go around it. So the sense of smell is amazing. Well, I planted these things so every single morning, I go outside, I squash the mint thing, and I say, like a bracha every single morning. Thank you that I could smell. Thank you that I could feel. Thank you that I could taste. Imagine if you couldn't taste. You'd be like the nachash. Everything tastes like dust. You taste sour. You taste sweet. You taste sharp. You don't think... No one thinks about this when you eat something. Right? Sweet. Sour. Some guys like stuff that's Kharif, uh, Right? them like things that are Kharif. Your tongue... Is doing a million different things. It's tasting everything. And if you go to a good restaurant and it's a good chef, the beginning is this. And how's the, the end of the meat? How's the end of the taste? And guys who drink wine, right? All my good friends who think they know anything about wine because mm-hmm. it's $145. I was in a wine store the other day. I don't know what happened to the Jewish station. The guy's like, Yeah, I leave it there. I let it breathe from right Friday morning. So Friday night, it has the right taste. I'm like, What do you know? Like, what are you showing off in the wine store? You let it breathe? You know anything you about breathing, right? What do we know? But okay, every, all of a sudden, we all became big wine connoisseurs. But the whole godless of wine, what's the godless of a good wine? Is that the beginning, right, has a different taste than the end on your palate. So your your tongue, it's all about food. The whole value of the food is that you can taste it. Khrushchev, thank you, you gave me the ability to taste. Imagine in a world where there is no taste, where there is no smell. And then, Khrushchev, thank you, you gave me the ability to hear. I cannot understand a person who cannot hear, who lives in a world of no sound, of no music, of no footsteps, of no laughing and no crying. Baruch Hashem, today they have the cochlear implants; it got a lot better. But to, to live in a world where you can't hear anything, because Baruch thank you, that I could hear. I could hear music, nice Jewish music, right? I could hear my Rebbe, I can hear my children, I can hear my wife, I can hear song. It's amazing and then I open my eyes I'm like God forbid to live in a world of darkness thank you Hashem that I can see and I do two eyes I do one eye at a time why because there's a guy that domes me in Shem Shabbos who has a glass eye he only has one eye and he let me know about that because he heard one of my speeches and he said eyes even if you have one eye he says I have one eye I can see but you know when you have one eye you don't have peripheral vision Try to walk around with one eye closed. I tell you, of course, you gave me two eyes. I could see the world. Colors! Shapes! My family! Try to walk around a whole day with your eyes closed. Try to walk around with your eyes closed for half an hour. Try to walk around with your eyes closed for five minutes. You know what's going to happen? You're going to open your eyes to make sure you didn't go blind. Maybe I did go blind, so I have to open my eyes to make sure just a little... oh, Oh, I'm Okay ability to see because Bohu created a crazy world and we're busy looking at this machine and around us is the whole museum and this is what we're doing all day and a piece of metal it has no feelings, it has no warmth it has no, no smell and this is what the whole world is doing he won, The Satan won we don't live in God's world. We live in Apple's world. We live in a metal world. He won. Watch the world. Nobody's been with their kids. Nobody's been with their wife. You see a husband and wife, they're sitting at they went out to eat. Yay. They're both on their phones and they're not talking to each other. You used to go in a car. You sit in a car. used to have cassette and all these things. We used to listen to music. Nobody has it anymore. You put your phone in the car. You're doing business. You, want, you, you, you don't even see where you're going. We have no life. One of my tamidim called me. It's about a year ago. He called me. And all of a sudden, I hear a toilet flushing. I'm like, mayor, talking to me from the bathroom. <gasps> I, Rebbe, I usually, I, usually, I usually put it on mute. You heard the flush? I'm like, you can't sit on the pot for like five minutes and relax. You go to a hotel. There's a phone in the bathroom. Give him a break. And it says it says in shulchan that we supposed to sit on the bathroom for a, a, a little a little time to make sure that he's clean down and that he's healthy. In my office building in Borough Park, you go to the bathroom. Every store they're talking. The guys are all talking in the bathroom. Like what's going on over here? I'm listening to the whole business going down <laughs> in, in the bathroom. <laughs> Hope they're not taking selfies. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how crazy it is. That's how crazy. So, so your rebbe wants rub, you, He just wants to take you out of that. He doesn't. He doesn't want. doesn't want to make you guys freaks. Like, oh my God, you don't have a, you don't have an iPhone. What do you do? You go to centers. <laughs> What's wrong with you? That's the problem. That's going to be the problem. In this yeshiva, you all don't have phones, I hope, right? So you're, you're in a community without phones. It's going to be, it's a lot easier. Once you go, get on that plane, going back to America, and, you know, you, you get back to your buddies in the car, and they're all doing it with their phone, and you're like, I have a never flip phone, right? You're going to be like, this guy, like, hiding it. You know, you might even have an iPhone that doesn't work, but at least it looks like it works, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. That's, that's when the pressure happens, man. That's when... That's when the men become men. That's when you become an individual. That's when you say, "You guys do what you want, but I'm doing what I need to do." And you don't break. And you know what happens after that? Usually, they follow you, because our friends are all jealous. What do you mean you don't have? A, what do you mean you don't have a smartphone? How could you live without a smartphone? You show them that you can. Guess what happens? Not all of them are going to get off their smartphone because it's a big yitzhara. But they will respect you. In the beginning they will make fun of you. They will call you a, you're a cult. And this whole thing is ridiculous. And you're gonna feel like I'm not cool. And I don't belong. And that's when you know you're doing the right thing. When you don't belong, it's when you're doing the right thing. And that's when the guys who are special stand out. And it's going to be really hard. It's very easy to give a speech in here. It's easy to get—not so easy, but it's easy to get five hundred dollars and to get. And I'm leaving, and Pesach, and I'm not that, that, that. And everybody in your family has one, and you got to be on the family chat. You're not on the family chat. We have to check out if you weren't adopted, because how can you not be on the family chat? You have to know what's going on in your family. B'chashem, I think I have... Yeah, I don't think. I have 15 grandchildren. B'chashem, I don't have... I'm not on the family chat. I think I know what's going on. You have to be on the friend chat. You have to be on I have a UI chat. You have to be in the Flatbush chat. You have to be on the, on the Shul chat. No. You have to be an individual. Because created us individuals. We all have different fingerprints. And those are the guys that make the difference. The rest of them become a school of fish. Just Float along. How do you know a fish is alive? When it swims against the current. When it's going with the current, maybe it's dead and the current's taking it. When it swims against the current, that's when you know it's alive. When everybody's doing one thing and you're doing the right thing, then you know you're an individual, then you know you're somebody. And that's going to be the fight. That's the whole fight. I know everyone in this room is like, I can do this. But when you get there, it's going to be tough. Well, Robert Wallstein has a flip phone, so you can tell him, hey, he has a flip phone, I can have a flip phone. Then they'll tell you you're in his cult. You're not going to win. It's not going to work. You just got to do what you have to do. And, and, and you have to use that time. Use that time. To help kids. Help people. Go, go help kids that have cancer. Kids that are learning disabled. Help older people that think they're dying. They're in a nursing home. They're waiting to die. They have no life. Their children don't come to visit them. Guys, you don't understand the ability of a human being to help another human being is amazing. But you can't Do it if you don't have time. So that's what's happening in the world right now. The world is falling apart. Since technology, the whole world is falling apart. People, guys send me good Shabbos. They send me a text, good Shabbos. I don't answer them. Pick up the phone, call your Rebbe, say good Shabbos. What is this text, good Shabbos? And the good Shabbos text goes out to 900 other people. So I'm not anything special. And then people send emails to invite. It's a new thing, RSVP to go to a wedding. They send emails. I don't get emails. She so goes, like, why weren't you at my wedding? I'm like, why didn't you send me an invitation? So I sent you an email. I don't get emails on my phone. Oh, I would have texted you. I'm like, what kind of invitation is that? Send an invitation. Let me write a card back. A and bracha. And anyway, how do they get their checks? Probably have to wire them money, you know, for the wedding. I, I have a friend right now. He's, he's, he's a funny guy. He's a clown. So he, he now writes, um, checks by wedding. So he said $180 with the yes, but he post states it five years. So right now it's like February 1st, 2023. <laughs> I said, why are you doing that? He says, well, you know, guys get married. And then a year later they're divorced. So there goes my 180 bucks. Then, <laughs> then she gets remarried. So I gotta send her 180, and he gets remarried, and there's another 100, it's $540. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so, 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 and then Chatzel can happen again, and it cost me a thousand bucks. She so said, you know what? Let them be married for five years, then I put the check in. It's post-dated to that date. That's, that's where we are, that's where we are today. Chatzel none of you guys, I'm just it's, just, it's a joke, he thinks he's funny, right? But it's not, it's not so funny. So, so, I want to talk to you two minutes about. um, I was in. I don't know if you can tell how my great tan. I guess you can't. So, (laughs) two weeks ago I was in Florida, and I was standing by the beach, by sunrise because I like to watch the world come from darkness to light. It's amazing. From when you see the top of the sun till it's up is maybe two minutes. It's amazing to watch a sunrise, and. you boys should go once watch a sunrise. I'll tell you why. It sounds like, oh, romantic. Like, what? Well, where do you go see? Sunrise. You know, I want to tell you about the first sunrise. Um, Adam, so it was Erev Shabbos. And right before Ben Hashemoshes, he did the aver of eating from the tree. The next thing that happened after he did that, the sun began to set. He thought, says the Medrash, that he destroyed the world. The sun was out. He did an avera, and now It's dark. <coughs> so he cried a whole night that he destroyed the world Hashem's world it was in darkness he didn't see anything the next morning this, the first sunrise of the human being the first sunrise of the human being was Shabbos morning he was created on the sixth day and all of a sudden the sun starts rising he's like everything's here Hashem was mechaping me it, was never, it wasn't destroyed and he wrote Miz Moshir HaShabbos at sunrise, Shabbos morning. And that's the Miz Moshir of Mashiach. That's the Miz of Mashiach. We, we through God sinned. And we're going to realize, Mashiach that we were forgiven. And that's very deep, the first sunrise of the human being. And he celebrated that by, by writing Miz Moshir Liyam ha-shabbos. So I'm standing by the, the ocean. And the waves, I counted how many seconds between each wave. How many seconds do you think there are between each wave? Wave hits. Next wave hits. How many seconds, guys? You can guess. Six. Oh, you were getting there. Six seconds. Next wave. One, two, three, four, five, six. Wave. And I'm standing there. If anyone saw me, probably thought I was crazy, right? I'm standing there. I'm just watching these waves. And I'm talking to myself a little bit. And what am I saying? So there's a unbelievable zoya about waves. The Zohar says that when Hashem created the world, so first of all, let me ask you a question. I don't want to embarrass anyone. I'm not, I'm not going to be unfair to you guys. But I do this in many schools. And I do this, actually I did it last night with adults. I said, what day did Hashem create water? No days. Water was here before creation. What? Water was here before creation. What day did Hashem create earth? No days. Earth was here before creation. I didn't want to do this to you because most guys will scream second day. Everyone says the second day water was created. Totally wrong. Let's look at the Pasuk. It was empty. And the Ruh of Hashem was on top of the water. was hovering above the water. So there was water before the first day. And then, Hashem says, I'm going to take the water, separate it, right? And I'm going to separate the water from the earth. But the earth was there already. So we're not going to get into when that was created. Okay? We're not going to get into the whole zayah on that. We're not going to get into when that was created. But before Sheishet Me'am water was here. The earth was here underneath the water. What Hashem do? He separated. We had earth. We have water. 70% of the world is water. So it says that the water, naturally, every wave of water has a malach. Everything, every, every blade of grass, every wave of water has an angel. The water wants to take over the world and bring it back to the way it was before the sin, before creation. So every single wave, says Isaiah, wants to come into the world and cover the earth to take it back to the way it was. Everything comes back to its original source. So the malach of the wave that hits the sand, now gets it hits the sand, it gets pushed back out. It hits and it goes back. So the Zarya says, why doesn't he tell the malach coming in, I just try to drown the world. There's no way. There's a beach and there's sand and there's land. And I just got pushed back. So you guys stop trying to take over the world. It's not happening. The says that every single wave... That's going back out into the ocean tells the wave that's coming in, you're wasting your time. There's a beach, and we cannot take over Earth. Says the The wave coming in says back to the wave going out, just because you couldn't do it doesn't mean I can't. Every six seconds, there's a malach that says, just because you couldn't get over the beach doesn't mean I shouldn't take a try. I think I could do it. Just because you can't doesn't mean I can't. And the Lord says, Baruch Hu, put that in the Bria for us. That just because some other guys have to have an iPhone doesn't mean that you have to have an iPhone. Just because your friends in America tried to get rid of it or tried to do whatever and they couldn't, remember the wave. It's in the Bria that I can do something that you can't do. And just because you failed doesn't mean I'm going to fail. And I'm standing by the ocean. Most people are swimming in the ocean. And I'm looking at these waves and I'm like, keep on coming, guys. Don't give up. If somebody, There was nobody out there. It was... 58 degrees and blowing like crazy. It was amazing. It was amazing to see the Bria of Hashem, every wave. And you know, they're like angry waves. Like, you know, like we're going to take over. That's just like anger. And then they just get pushed out. And then the next one comes in and they just get pushed out. And they're going to do this till Mashiach comes. And they do it every six seconds all over the world. Millions and trillions of malachim that are telling all the malachim, give it up, it ain't happening. And trillions and millions of malachim saying back, so you didn't do it? Okay, I can do it. Wow. It's in the Bria. And that's what you need to take to America. Just because all you other guys in the other schools, you can't give up your iPhone, that doesn't mean I can't give up my iPhone. That's something to learn from a wave. So I want to finish with the message of Tu that just happened. So everyone should understand their potential. So the question is, we celebrate Tu It's such a big yontiv that we don't say tachanah, Right? I'm sure you guys were very happy, you know? No tachanah, Tu The mincha before no tachanah. Wow, we got out two minutes extra. I was very into cars. I am very into cars. I love fast cars. It's my Yetzirah. Everyone has the Yetzirah. Since I'm a little kid, that's my Yetzirah. So, I remember when I got the STSV, when it first came out. So, um... They went from zero to 60 in like 3.4, something like that. Crazy thing. High, high speed, 180 miles an hour. The, the wheels were this wide. I got stopped on the Palisade, on the Garden State Parkway at 110. I just wanted to try it out to see how it went. And my Mazel, he also wanted to try me out. The state trooper that pulled me over, I'll never forget, he pulled me over. He says, you know what you just did? you know how fast you were going? I'm like, 70? he goes, yeah, on two wheels with 70 I'll never forget it, I said, I, I just got this car, and I, I just you just touched the pedal, whatever it is he goes, this is the new V, right, I'm like, yeah he says, pop the hood, I knew I was good then I knew I was good I popped the hood, he looks at the engine, and goes, wow I never saw anything like this he says, okay, it's a warning I'm like, yeah. so, so I'm like, very, very crazy into fast cars, so Rabbi Miller, there's a story with Rabbi Miller that there was a guy that also was the same situation, whatever it is, and he was trying to explain to Rabbi Miller that it was like 400 horsepower, whatever it was, and Rabbi Miller said, okay, and so he goes, it only takes me to get to 60 miles an hour. It takes like 3.4 or 4 seconds to get there. So I save uh, a regular car. It's like 7 seconds or 8 seconds. I save 4 seconds. Rabbi Miller looked at him and said, and what do you do with those 4 seconds? That's what counts. If you have a fast car and you save 4 seconds what do you do with the four seconds you use the four seconds otherwise you don't need a fast car do you use the four seconds and I was thinking to myself yeah so you had a fast car so what do so you save four seconds anyway where do you go with zero to 60 you'll have five tickets you try it on Ocean Parkway it's not going to happen right but I was the kind of guy that you know. and the guy said to me even I was older and he said to me you know this car is not really for you you don't tell that to me anyway, but after the dealer said to me, he says, it's much cheaper you get the regular SDS. He says, you know, it has a top speed of 180 miles, and the tires, if they're flat, you can go at 80 miles an hour. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he says, like, you know, you're not, you're, you live here in Brooklyn. You're like, we're going to go 180 miles an hour, you know? And, you know, 0 to 60, we, you know, we're going to do this. I said, you have to understand me. I'm never going to do 180 miles an hour. And I don't think I'm going to be flooring zero to 60 either. But I want to know that if I want to do it, I could do it. It's a very important, not, not in cars, it's a very important thing in life. To so set yourself up in a position that you've got to do what you've got to do and you'll be able to do it. You will not be able to live a normal life and give the attention to the world that you need to, if you have a smartphone. It is impossible. It is impossible to have a smartphone and have WhatsApp and all the other things that are on that phone. It is impossible to give your learning and your davening and your relationships with your friends, your parents, whatever relationships that you have, is impossible if you live in that world. You are setting up yourself for the failure in your relationships because the relationship you're gonna have is your phone. I have girls in my high school that I had this girl that came running out of the bathroom a year ago, screaming at the top of her lungs. Oh my God! I can't believe it! I, th- I, I thought Chassid Shalom somebody went into the girl's bathroom and did something to her. The way she was screaming, I was like, and "I'm like, calm down, calm down." Should I-, I? can't go into the girl's bathroom. Should I send a, a, a teacher to the girl? What happened to you? What happened to you? Eh, my phone. <laughs> so when she said that I already calmed down I said what happened fell into the toilet I lost all my contacts I don't know who my mother is anymore <laughs> you're laughing she was serious <laughs> but in my high school we have a Tiasa Mason room big bag of rice you stick it in there baruch <laughs> machaye <laughs> mason the panic the panic that her phone fell into I said in Apple's world, right, in the smartphone world, that's the story of Noach, when the whole world was destroyed by water. Fell into the toilet and that whole phone is finito, it's gone. And said Hashem promised in his world he won't do that again. So she was really freaked out because she didn't back up her phone, and now she lost I don't know how many contacts, or whatever it was. You'd really think that someone died in the toilet, someone died in the bathroom, and 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 she was screaming like hysterical. And Time Magazine writes, very interesting. The Goyim are also on this, not just the Jews. The Goyim are on this. The waste of time and everything else, and the addiction. It's an addiction because you can't live without it. And 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 and, and they they're writing that. That for a, an adult, they asked, like, I don't know how many people, that if you, you go to work and you forgot your phone, and you put your hand in your pocket and your phone's not there, what is your, what do you feel? And 90% of them said, very, very disconnected and very, very insecure. You're in a building, everything, you don't have your, very insecure. So they said, the, the, the iPhone is the adult's pacifier. How does the baby's pacifier work? It doesn't have any milk in it. It doesn't have any water in it. It's a piece of rubber. Right? The baby's crying. The baby's screaming. You put the pacifier in the baby's mouth. It starts to suck. Shalom. There's nothing in there. It has no taste. The pacifiers don't have a taste. Right? Because it gives it a sense of its mother. So it gives it a sense of security. So the psychologist, Time Magazine, brought down that the phone, right, even if it's not on, but you keep putting your hand in your pocket, and you, you're holding it, you're holding it, it's your tummy. It's your pacifier. So we got all these adults walking around with little pacifiers. And they feel secure. They have a phone. Instead of feeling secure in who they are and what they're doing and being connected to our Kodesh Baruch Hu, they're, they're, that's where they are. And there are so many people today that come to shul. And, you know, people freak out when the phone rings. I don't freak out. I'm like, it's, it doesn't say anywhere in the Torah. Your phone can ring in shul. It says in it says halakha, you, you can't talk in shul. So when two guys are talking in shul, nobody says anything. But that phone rings, oh my God. No! Oh! Ah! Ah! The guy forgot, okay? He's going to flip it off in two seconds. Calm down. But how many people daven with their phones in shul? And how many little kids, they don't know if these people are davening, or if they're reading their texts. And there's no kedushah in a phone. If you drop it on the floor, you don't have to kiss it. Because the oishis are not real oishis. How do you know the oishis are not real oishis? Because you're davening from your phone, and it says Elokeinu, Hashem's name, right? And then you turn off your phone, you're erasing Hashem's name. How are you allowed to do that? So they in that since the letters are not real, it's not considered. So the ICS are not machikim oish. So when you're learning on your phone, the ICS are not machikim oish. you got to have the paper. you got to feel the paper. you got to daven. It's very bad to daven with a phone. You buy a wedding Whatever it is When you go into shul Kids will watch you And kids don't know I said soon It's not going to be long No one's going to use Soderma at all There's going to be A big screen in front of shul And the daveni You'll go You'll see daveni you just read it, That's it. Everyone, everyone will look At the screen And read it. then Then you know, the shul can make money Because you put ads You put advertisements on it <laughs> Right before Goal Yisrael Do chuva. Call 1-800 Tshuva line Right it'll be, it'll be amazing I won't have to raise money anymore That's where we're going We're daveni With them we're benching with them. We're totally losing our sight on what it's all about. So my bracha to everyone here is that you should talk and have the kayach and the foresight to be a nevach. I always say stupid people have smartphones and smart people have stupid phones. You'll save your life. You'll become a different person. Play ball, daven, learn, help kids, go to nursing homes, study gives you time. People ask me, well, how do you do what you do in 24 hours? Baruch Hashem. I have Arnava, which is busy day and night. I have a Terrace Nava, which is a seminary. I have BCA, which is a high school. I have the ranch at Bethel, which is a rehab. I Baruch Hashem, have a business, a plastic bag business. I have a family. I learn. I in, How could you do that? It can't be. One person can't do that. Without a smartphone? Without emails? How could you do that? I'm like, that's the only way you could do it that I don't have a smartphone, and I don't have a computer in my office. Yes, my secretaries have a computer. And when they get an email, they put it on my desk. And I read it, and I write an answer, and they send it back. That's how I get emails. I don't have a computer in my office. There's no way the ATO is going to get me to look at pictures that I should have, because I don't have them. And if the FBI came into my office and said, Wall Street, we want to see... All your emails. I'm like, hey, check it out. It says Shavisa Shemla Summit. You want to take that to the FBI horde? No problem. You can check it out. <laughs> I don't communicate that way. So, how do I have time to do everything I do? Because I don't do anything else. And i not go to the movies and i don't watch television, right? So, someone said to me, hey, man, you ain't got no life. I'm like, no, hey, man, you ain't got no life. I got life. Because the whole day, I'm working with people. And I'm talking to them, and I'm helping them, and I'm spending time with them, which is the most important thing that a person can do. I got life. You don't got life. Your phone has life. That's it. And you got to recharge it every 20 minutes. And everyone in the airport, I was just in the airport, everyone's running around with their iPhone. I guess they die right away, right? And they're looking for plugs, 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 plugs. They're all getting plugged in. People walking around they're, 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 shigars, they're crazy And then they have batteries That they charge To charge charge, And charge Apple's got us going go, All over the place and Then that battery dies So you have to have another battery So the guy comes onto the plane He's six batteries Connected to each other <laughs> A backpack But then they take it away from him Because it, look Maybe it's a bomb And they're going to Blow up the whole place Right It's not It's really, it's really Just watch You don't need Robert Wallach Just go out there When you're out there Just watch people On their phones you know exactly what I'm talking about. You want to be connected? Disco- disconnect. Again, I'm not talking to you about Yiddishkeit. That's a whole separate year, And of course, it's a very important shmir sanayim. It's a very important year. I'm talking about wasting time. It's the most important thing we have, boys. You're sitting in yeshiva and you're learning. You're going to go back to America. It's not the same. It's not the same. You're, you're protected right here in this room. Out there you're not protected they're going to hit you with every my daughter I will not let my daughter go out with a boy who has a smartphone. No, nope. guy comes to, comes to the door. this kid has a smartphone I'm not interested. he if he has, has what's that? have a good day I won 't even rent him a. Shirach. What, what are you doing? You're, you're yeshiva boy you're learning. What are you doing? Imagine you're single you're busy with a phone. what's going to be when you're married and you have a business? forget about it. But one of my simonim, right? I, I don't know your shidduchim who you're going to go out with. But me, one of my simonim, I'm not letting a guy who has WhatsApp, who's on the internet, who has Facebook, go out with my daughter. No way. And I would not let my boys in yeshiva, my tamidim, and they all know it, go out with a girl who has Facebook. Because that person is already, before they're married, before they got a lot of stuff, right? They're already wasting time. You can't have a good relationship with your wife if you're busy on the phone. She needs your time. You can't have a good relationship with our Kodesh Baruch Hu if you don't give that relationship time. He gives you time. He gives you 24 hours in a day. You can't have a relationship like that if you're on the phone. So I know, I know it's very hard, and it's very easy when I'm speaking to you. It's very hard. It's even hard for me. People in business give me pressure. You know, Steve, my name is Steve. How am I going to get a hold of you if I need to get, if I need to get a hold of you? I'm like, send a, send an email to my brother-in-law. He has a, he has an iPhone, right? He's 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 the business guy. I'm like, the, the one of my one of my salesmen. She's like, if they ever find out in the big corporations that I sell that you don't have a computer, they're never gonna do business with us. I'm like, girl, she's not a Jew. I said, the reason they're doing business with me is because God gave me, as a, they gave me as a customer. It has nothing to do with an iPhone. And it's very terrible today. I'm a sale, I sell plastic bags. You can't, you can't, you want to make an appointment to, to see a buyer? There's no such thing. Send me an email. There's no relationship. So there's no relationship. So it's all about price. They don't care about anything else. They just look at a price. It's cold. The business today is cold. There's no feelings. There's no personal input. It's terrible. I hate it. I hate it to do business that way. just a price. You're not a person. You don't, they don't know who you are. It doesn't make a difference. You don't want to be part of that world. You want to be part of the real world. So yeah, take the $500. I wouldn't even take the $500. dollars say, Rebbe, keep the $500. I don't need your $500. It's not what this is about. <laughs> You're not buying my mitzvah, man. Rabbi, not buying my mitzvah for $500? Rebbe, nah. I don't need your $500. You want to sell my iPhone? Sell my iPhone and give the money to Tzedakah. I don't need the money from that, and I don't need your money, Rebbe. Thank you for giving me my life back. And blame me tell you in a year from now, you'll come back and you'll say, you made me into someone special because I helped a kid, I helped an old lady, I helped my parents, I have better relationships with my parents. And if never if your parents are busy on their phones, then you know what? Don't, don't, don't follow that. Do what you got to do. Be an individual. Because our parents are not in yeshiva. And our parents did not get an education. They came into this world, technology world, without a chinuch. You guys have a chinuch. They don't have a chinuch. This came when they forty, 40, 50 years old. They don't have a chinuch. So they don't have the chinuch to understand what it's doing to them. And let me tell you, divorces and Bayas problems because of this phone and people they meet on this phone and, you know, Facebook, you find people that you were in school with when you were very young. They say that, met, I think, 30% of Goyesha, There was also a Time magazine because they're very busy with anti-the phone. The 30% of divorces, the divorced lawyers in America, 30% of divorces are based on Facebook because the Goyen, what they do is they were in public school and they had a girlfriend, right? And then they... They go to college and they never see them again. When you go to Facebook, you can find them. So this guy's middle-aged and he finds his sweetheart that he had in high school. And he says, hey, how you doing? How's your life? And she's like, wow, I haven't heard from you since high school. And he's like, yeah, I have a wife and kids and I'm miserable. And she goes, I have a husband and kids and I'm miserable. Hey, maybe you want to meet for old times sake. That's it. Have a good day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's destroying the world. Destroying everything. So Tu B'Shvat I'm going to end with this Tu Bishvat is a very interesting holiday that we just had You don't say Tachon Why don't you say Tachon What does the tree have to do with my sins? Shahnu Baganu No! Not saying it today You know why? Happy New Year to the trees we're, We don't say Hallel We don't say Hallel We don't say Yalavi Why don't we say Tachon I know we're happy but why don't we say Tachon The terrace is amazing The terrace is as follows it doesn't make sense, to Bishvat that it happens in Shvat. Shvat's in the middle of the winter. In, in New York right now, it snowed a little bit. People went outside, to Bishvat. the trees are icicles. There are no leaves, there are no fruits, there are no flowers, there's dead. Walk out of the tree, you walk out of Shul, you look at the tree, Happy New Year tree! You look dead. <laughs> why don't we do Rosh Hashanah for trees in the spring you make a bracha on the flower a nisan captain you should make Rosh Hashanah for trees or in the summer with an apple and a pear and a peach right why don't we do Rosh Hashanah Rosh Hashanah is that the, the sap of the estric tree begins to come into the tree but the estric tree itself looks dead and the is, which is very important the Jews we celebrate potential we don't celebrate the goal. Lo, amalecha, it's not for you to finish the product. It's for you to try to start. And therefore, weddings, right? My friend sends it five years post-dated. Why do you spend so much on a wedding? Guy gets married to a girl, $100,000, $50,000, flowers, 10-piece band, shweki for 20 grand, we got this guy freed, we spent all this money, all these flowers, five dishes, a crazy Schmuggersburg, right? 800 guys, 200 friends. I'm talking about American weddings. Maybe it's not going to work. Maybe these two are going to get divorced after three months. You're spending $100,000 on a maybe? This is what I think we should do 60th anniversary. <laughs> they got children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. They're actually still looking at each other after 60 years. That's when you make the wedding. That's when you make the big party. A thousand people come to see a couple that was able to live together for 60 years. So we're, we're celebrating what they did. Why take a chance on a hundred grand and maybe it won't work? And the Territz is, we're spending money on the potential of this couple. A couple that's married 60 years, okay, maybe Hashem will give them another 20. That's going to be, they'll, be, they'll each be 100 years old at that point. But the potential of the young couple is another 80 years. So the potential of the young couple is huge. Potential of the 60-year-olds, anyway, they wouldn't hear the music, they won't taste the food anyway, but the flowers smell too much, too loud, wouldn't work anyway. We celebrate potential. Tubishvat. The potential of the tree begins by the sap going into the roots. And therefore, we celebrate the potential of a tree that looks dead. Because the fruit that we're eating today on Tubeshvat to is the fruit from that tree that last year at this time looks dead. Look! Look at the look what came from the potential. Look at all these fruits that I'm eating. That's the celebration. And therefore you don't say Takhran. This takhran is about doing a various. That's no potential. There's no potential there. So to, on the day where I'm saying, I look dead. I look like, look at me. I look like a tree without leaves. I'm going through all these. I do all these aveiras and I do what I'm not supposed to do. And I look like a tree that has no leaves and no fruit, nothing. But look, like Hashem, look at my potential. Then you're going to start saying, I sinned yesterday. I did a sin yesterday. No, we're looking, we're looking forward at my potential. And therefore, the one thing you don't say on Tugashvah is tachanah. We're not talking about our aveiras. We're talking about our future. And every single person in this room needs to know that no matter what you look like, no matter what you think you look like, or no matter what you look like, because Baruch Hu celebrates potential. And that's what the Yuntiv of Tubishra, which just passed us. And even though many of Kleisrill they talk or look dead, you know, you go out there and you see some kids, man. Let me tell you, they don't look like they're ever gonna have leaves, and they don't look like they're ever gonna have fruit. But you should know that they have a Neshamah. And if they have a Neshamah, they have the potential that this year the tree that looks dead in in my block on Avenue, on East 23rd. I'm not giving you the Avenue because then you'll come visit me. But (laughs) on East East 23rd, you go out there, the tree looks dead. And I'm like, you look dead now, but I'll see you in three months. You're going to have leaves. I have a a cherry tree. You're going to have cherries. I know what you got. You look dead, but I know what's going on underneath there. That's how you have to look at Clyde's. That's how you have to look at every kid. No matter what you look like but I know what you got I know that you have a nesham Rabbi Greenwald I don't know how many of you knew Rabbi, Ronnie Greenwald I'll end with this I said that four times usually the fourth time I end <laughs> so I was very close to Ronnie Greenwald he was unbelievable mechanic he was an unbelievable person he had Kemp Sternberg and he was the the head of my school my high school so the first time I met him for the high school I said tell me a good story something that you didn't finish so is what he told me so there was a girl that was thrown out of a bay hakol. I'm not going to say which bay hakol. She did something really bad. She got thrown out of the bay hakol. And the Rebbetzin said she's not taking her back. So they had these people. They wanted, they, they tried everything. They had people with people on the board. Rebbetzin said no. They had people with money. Rebbetzin said no. They had rabbis. Big Gedolim called for these people. Gedolim from Eretz Yisrael. She said I can't take her back. So the last guy to ask was Ronnie Greenwood. So the parents went to Ronnie Greenwald and said, please do something, get my kid into school. So he calls up the Rebitson. He says, Rebitson, I need to meet with you. And the Rebitson says, if it's about this girl, Ronnie, I don't want to meet with you. There's nothing to talk about. Ronnie said, what girl, who, what girl, who, uh, I, don't want, I don't want to talk about that girl, I want, I, want, I want to ask you a question. Oh, okay. He comes into school, he's brilliant. He sits down in front of the Rebbitzian, he says, I want to ask you something. Would you ever throw, if like a grandmother, an old lady, an Alta Babuchka, he'd say, came to your school, an old lady, old, an old grandmother, would you ever throw such a, a woman out of your, out of your building? Well, that's a silly question. Why would I throw a, a, a grandmother out of my building? So he looks at the rabbits and he says, Well, you just did. She said, There was a, an old lady in my, in my building today. He said, You know that girl? Oh no, you said you weren't going to talk about that girl. He said, I'm not talking about that girl. I'm talking about her grandchildren. You throw her out of this school. She's going to go off to Derek. You're going to affect her children and her grandchildren. And she's going to have grandchildren. So right now, even though she looks like a 16-year-old girl, she has she is a grandmother. She's an babuchka. And you just threw a grandmother out of your school. She said that's not fair. <laughs> he said, "But it's true. You're looking at a girl, I'm looking at a grandmother." So she said, "Okay, Ronnie, you guarantee me, you guarantee me that she won't misbehave and you guarantee me that she will have from children and from grandchildren and she'll talk to be a from grandmother. You give me that guarantee, I'll take her back." And she took her back. The ability to look at a tree that looks dead and understand that it's really alive. And that's what every one of you guys need to do. No matter how much you're struggling and no matter what you go through in life, you need to know that you're not a guy. You're not Meir or Yehuda or Aaron in rabbi school. You're a Zaidi. You're a Tati. And that's how you have to look at your life. And what you're doing right now at 18, 19, 17, 18, 19, 20, What you're doing right now is going to have an effect. And you're going to hurt the Zaydi if you do the wrong things. And you're going to help the Zaydi if you do the right things. I told you... I wouldn't tell you another story. <coughs> I don't know who the Rosh Hashiva is. I know it's not Rabbi Senter, for sure. But in Elenul Shabeach, he writes a story... They say he's a gadol today. I don't know who he is, but there was a boy in a yeshiva in Bnei Brak. I don't know which yeshiva, but he was a crazy troublemaker. He did, like, crazy things. And one day, the yeshiva walks into the base of Medrash like this, and all the guys are laughing. And he hears someone kicking in the Arnak It's a famous story. So He figures that there's a kid in the Arnak Haydash, so he opens up the Arnak Haydash, and out jumps a goat. It's a true story. In the middle of Bnei Brak, a goat jumps out of the Arnak Haydash. Right away, yeshiva knew there's only one guy who put a goat in the. Is in the, in the, in the, this boy? So they call the boy into the and they say, "Out, goodbye, you're done." A goat. So he says, "You can't throw me out unless you take me to Besdin." Besdin has to pass him because if you throw me out of yeshiva. I will not keep Shabbos. I will not keep anything. It's dine nefashos, and for dine nefashos you have to go to a bezin. So you want to go to bezin? We'll take you to bezin. So they go to the bezin of Bnei Brak, and the bezin says, "What do we have here?" Because yeshiva said, "This is this boy. He said, my yeshiva. He put a goat in the ark." <laughs> in front of the whole yeshiva, the yeshiva opened it up and almost jumped on him. So they turn to the boy and they're like, "And we're throwing him out." So they turn to the boy. And they're like, um, what do you have to say for yourself? Brilliant. He says to them, listen, you can't throw me out. Why can't we throw you out? Because the halacha is that the tevea and the nitva have to be in front of Bezin. The guy who has the claim, and the guy you're claiming against has to be in front of Bezin. If you throw me out of yeshiva, you're not only destroying me, you're destroying my children and my grandchildren. And being that my children and my grandchildren are not in bezdin because they're not here yet, so you can't be of me. That's what he told them brilliant he's a brilliant boy Bezdin looks at Rosh and says this, I think you should keep him <laughs> he, he might be a gadol one day with that head and he writes in, in a Shabbat that today he is one of our biggest gadol and he doesn't write who it is someone told me a name I didn't really recognize the name whatever it is he says well, it's not Rechaim he didn't put a goat in the letter <laughs> but it is a gadol And that was his taina. His taina was, it's not me, my kids and my grandchildren. The best thing that all of you can do for your children and emitshashem, your grandchildren, is not to have a smartphone. It's to listen to your asheshiva. Because it's not for you. It's for your deirei deireis. And a family that doesn't have smartphones and technology and computers brings up a different family. (laughs) And brings up a different kid So if you can't do it for yourself And and your friends are making fun of you Like what are you doing Why don't you have an iPhone Tell them I'm doing this for my grandchildren I'm doing this for my great-grandchildren I'm doing this for my wife I'm doing this for my children And they would be like Hey man, when would you get married? At 13? Like you know, you got kids The answer is no The ability to look at a tree that looks dead And understand that one day it's going to give fruit a person is compared to a tree. All of you are compared to trees. Amit HaShem to you is that you should bear fruit for many, 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 many years. And you should have an understanding when you see kids that are suffering and kids that are off the derech. Just know that maybe right now they look dead. But every single neshama, and that's what we learn from Tu every single neshama has something going on. And if you give it time and the right taken care of, be to see the fruits, maybe we all be Hashem to have the koyach, to stand up and to be an individual. I'm standing in front of you because I am an example. So I'm not telling you to do something. I'm an example. I have a very full life and I'm very, very busy and I don't text. It takes me. I have a text on my phone, on my flip phone, but it takes me 40 minutes to write the word "and," so because <laughs> I got to go through all three letters. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to call the person. I'm just not going to text them. I'm going to call the person. You'll you'll find life. Hashem should give you, and all of you. You should have a lot of time to use it correctly. And um, what your yeshiva is doing is I, I, there's no other yeshiva that I know of that that came up and said, "I'll give you $500." To keep your phone, it's that important. If it's that important, how many boys are in yeshiva? How many boys are in yeshiva? For yeshiva? A hundred. That's fifty thousand dollars. Fifty thousand dollars. When a yeshiva who doesn't have money, I'll, the yeshiva re, is saying, "Guys, I'll put fifty thousand dollars on the table that you guys should be okay." <laughs> That's amazing. That's unbelievable. And you're going to have to answer. He, you, you, your yeshiva put you a spot because after 120 years. Hashem's going to say, "Yeshiva offered you five hundred dollars, you still didn't do it." No other guy's going to have to answer to that. You should always said that, be able to come back my next time to speak, which will be Lag B'Omer, um, which is after Pesach. That everyone in this room can say, "By Wallstein, we went home Pesach. No smartphones." By Wallstein, we made the deal. You got to do it. Do it for yourself. Do it for your children. Do it for your grandchildren. There's I have a lot of hope that you'll be able to be individuals. You should have a and bracha. Thank you. Well, <laughs> You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.